It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, July 28th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the two leading candidates for governor speak at the Neshoba County Fair. Then we talk with some of the people attending the event, many of whom have gone for years for generations their families have participated. Plus, a judge has temporarily blocked a new state law that limits providing help to those voting by absentee ballot. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. At the Neshoba County Fair, the two leading candidates for governor are rallying their supporters ahead of primary elections next month. It's a special day because in a minute after I get through talking, Governor Reeves is going to come up and he's going to give his last speech as governor of Mississippi at the Neshoba County Fair because we're going to send him to the unemployment line in November. This makes 21 years since I first gave a talk from this podium. It is possible that I've given more speeches from this podium than anyone alive today. And oh, by the way, to those of you wearing blue shirts here today, welcome to the Neshoba County Fair. I know this is probably your first time here. Democratic candidate Brandon Presley doesn't have a significant opponent in his party. During his speech at the fair, he chose to take aim at Republican Governor Tate Reeves and his political record. Coming from where I came from in that little tiny town of Nettleton, I shouldn't be standing here as a candidate for governor. Folks who grew up the way I grew up don't get a chance to run for governor. My daddy was murdered the first day I was in the third grade. And my mother was a widow and a single parent that struggled every single day just to pay the bills. Greta and Greg and I grew up in a house in which sometimes there was no electricity. Not because my mama didn't know the bill was due. It's because she didn't have the money to pay it. Sometimes we didn't have running water. I understand where working people are in Mississippi. Everybody cannot be born rich and lucky. And that's why you need a governor that'll stand up for the people of Mississippi. That'll care. There was no silver spoon in sight in our house. But my mama made things as best as mamas do. When the power was cut off, she'd say, you know what? We're going to act like we're camping out this week. So I understand where working people are, and Tate Reeves doesn't have a clue. 
He doesn't have a clue as to what people in Mississippi are struggling with. And when he comes up here in a few minutes, he's going to do his best to whistle past the problems in Mississippi, including our health care crisis. And much like Nero of old, he's fiddling while our hospitals are burning to the ground. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Reeves shot back at allegations made by Presley. He says his roots as a conservative from central Mississippi are an asset to his campaign. You know, here in Mississippi, we're mighty proud of all the great fiction writers in our history. Eudora Welty, William Faulkner, Willie Morris, and today, Brandon Presley. His campaign is all fiction. To hear Brandon's fiction, Mississippi is just not doing very well. And it's all my fault. He began his campaign with this simple foundation. He said, and I quote, under Tate Reeves' leadership, we are moving in the wrong direction. That's what Brandon Presley said. The math says that is pure fiction. You know that numbers are my training. In fact, in government, the numbers are the facts. The numbers and the facts say Mississippi has momentum. The facts say our unemployment rate is 3.1%. That's the lowest ever. The facts say that Mississippi attracted $6 billion in new capital investment in the last year. New jobs, new careers, and new stability for Mississippi. Brandon Presley's idea of stability is a welfare check from the government. My idea is a career full of paychecks that keep getting better and better year after year. Following their stump speeches, both Reeves and Presley answered questions from reporters. Among the promises both made are tax cuts. Presley said he wants to eliminate the 7% grocery tax. Tate Reeves has had 12 years to eliminate the sales tax on groceries. And for y'all that don't know it, it's the highest tax on food of any state in America. He hasn't done anything to try to correct that problem in 12 years in in state leadership. I think we need to eliminate the sales tax on groceries. We can up the legislative rebates to counties to reduce the cost of car tax in half. And those are tax cuts that help the most Mississippians. Everybody's got to eat, and everybody in the modern economy pretty much has got to have a car. These are ways to get money back in the economy to actually produce uh, more economic development by getting those dollars back into people's pockets. And so I've been a tax cutter from the time I was mayor of Milton. We cut taxes twice. In my small town, I'll be a tax cutter as well. Reeves wants to eliminate all state income taxes and doesn't oppose cutting the grocery tax. Look, I've never seen a tax cut that I didn't like. In fact, I think it's probably a better move uh, to uh, eliminate the income tax to zero. But if the legislature sends me a bill that uh, cuts taxes without raising other taxes, um, I'd love to see it. Millions of dollars are being sent to Presley's campaign from national donors, and he has been targeting moderates and hope they'll vote for him. Reeves maintains a lead in the polls and says outside spending won't change that. Because what I stand for is conservative leadership. What I stand for is Mississippi being the state that overturned Roe v. Wade. What I stand for is the policies that were enacted to move our educational system from last to better than over half the states in America. And so the reality is there's no doubt the liberals in other states are going to send money here because they can't stand our narrative. They can't stand the fact that conservative policies work 
and we're proving it every single day right here in Mississippi. For almost 200 years, the Democrats were in charge in Mississippi. We never moved from 50th in education. You allowed conservatives to be in charge. Philip Gunn was the speaker. I was the lieutenant governor. And we were able to enact policies that moved us from 50th to in the top half in America. And that's something I'm proud of. At the same time, Presley says Reeves is relying on legacy campaign accounts he feels shouldn't be allowed. Those accounts allow somebody like Tate Reeves, who's got about $2 million, I think, sitting in that account, to when we defeat him in November to be able to pay taxes on it and carry it home with it. Those should have been done away with a long time ago. It's part of uh, why you hear me talk a lot about ethics reform in the state, to make sure that we're cleaning up campaign finance, but also returning government back to the people. Getting rid of those, uh, I call them pay-to-play accounts, is a good way to start. Health care providers say access to rural health care in Mississippi is becoming more and more scarce. Tate Reeves says he opposes expanding Medicaid, which some experts say could help hospitals recoup lost revenue. But he's calling for legislation to cut laws around certificate of need, which the governor says prevents hospitals from expanding to rural areas. Yeah, there's no doubt that we've got more work to do when it comes to our health care system. We've got we to have more uh, availability of health care um, throughout our state. We've got to have more accessibility to health care throughout our state. And we've got to make sure that, that we can make health care more affordable. My view is that the best way to do that is get more people uh, with more and better and higher paying jobs, uh, which will allow them to have private insurance, which, by the way, is good for the providers as well because then they actually get reimbursed at a higher rate. I think uh, the certificate of need laws need to be addressed in our state. The fact of the matter is, right now, if you want to open a competing hospital in one of these small towns, you don't have the ability to do so because you don't have the certificate of need to get it done. We need to open up our health care system to more competition. Uh, and we also have to um, continue to push to, to make it even better um, for uh, people throughout our state. We, we definitely have work to do. When I ran for governor, I made it clear. I didn't run for governor to try to hide our challenges. I ran for governor to try to fix them. And whether it's infrastructure, public education, or any other area, I've done exactly that in my first four years, and we're going to continue to work those that we haven't completely solved uh, in the next four Presley says that's not enough. If Tate Reeves wanted to open up and do something with the CON laws, he's had 12 long years to do it. That's an excuse in an election year because he does not have the guts or the spine to do what it takes to solve our hospital crisis in Mississippi. This man gets an F minus on health care, and on his watch, we're losing health care jobs, hospitals are closing down, and now he has some new idea that he wants to change the law. He's had 12 long years to get this work done, and he's done nothing. He's had 12 years to get the sales tax off of groceries. He hadn't done it. He's had 12 years to cut car tag fees. He hadn't done it. And he's had 12 years to come up with ideas on health care, and he's got absolutely nothing done. He's a failure on health care. He knows it. The voters of Mississippi know it. And unfortunately, 157 people laid off at St. Dominic, over 100 at North Mississippi Medical Center. We got a hospital closed down in Vicksburg. The CEO of Delta Health Services said last week, Tate Reeves doesn't understand. I'll add to that. He doesn't understand. He doesn't care. Ahead, some families have attended the Neshoba County Fair for generations. They share what the annual event means to them. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
If you aren't near a radio, you can still listen to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. You can download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone or listen online at mpbonline.org. What are the cool kids wearing nowadays? A bucket hat and fanny pack. I meant to say a belt bag. That's the 21st century name for it. You can get this MPB-branded swag package by making a one-time $60 contribution. You'll also receive a year of PBS Passport to stream new and classic shows. A mix of current and classic. That's Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Make a contribution today at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Dozens of cabins line the streets at the Neshoba County Fair. Most have been kept in the same families for generations. Our Mike McEwen speaks with Kat and Rebecca McLean about the cabin their father built in 1946. So we come back bring families, family tradition. How long y'all been coming out here again? Since the first cabin was built in 46. Five cabins, right, right after the war, because it was closed for five years. Of course, they were not very big, and they were not tall enough, and all our men were tall, and they could stand between the rafters. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so when did y'all rebuild it? 82. 82, 82 right. My mother cooked on a coal oil stove out here, uh, is what I remember. And the trap cabin down here, the cab, the fair didn't open until like on Monday. And on Friday nights, we would come out here for stick dog suppers, which is what you know is a corn dog today. And that was a big event. But then you had to move furniture and things out here. You didn't leave thing out here. Refrigerators, you know. Well, we, I don't remember when electricity started. Uh, coming down the hill in Philadelphia and buy a big block of ice to go in the ice box back here. We still have the ice box, but it's used for storage. Where are y'all from? You're from Philadelphia. I'm Phil- raised in Philadelphia. All of us. Uh huh. How do y'all feel being so close to the pavilion and all the politicians you uh, speak in? I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Because you can sit on the porch and hear and see all the activity without actually getting involved in it if you don't want to. Down the way, in the Happy Hollow neighborhood at the fair, Mike also spoke with William Bassett. His family built their cabin in 1956, and he says there's a strong sense of community during the fair. Neighbors helping neighbors when people are doing repairs or cleaning up. Um, you know, if you don't have a particular tool or particular item you need to do whatever task you, you wanted to accomplish that day, chances are one of your neighbors has it or has a substitute. We frequently check on each other if, um, you know, hey, I'm going to town, do you need me to pick up anything while I'm there for you if they're working on something? Or if you're in the middle of cooking a dish during fair week and you forgot that pack of ranch dip spices, chances are you know a friend or somebody in the neighborhood that can hook you up. And, uh, you know, in turn, you'll do the same for them. There seems to be a, a big sense of community and neighbors, loving neighbors up there. They all have picnic tables in front of their cabins and it looks like kids playing with kids all up and down the street and stuff. 
uh, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of neat to see how this has been replicated in different parts of the fairgrounds. Can I ask how, how many years have you come back? Uh, I am 55, and this is my 56th fair. Okay. It still has that core sense of family reunion, class reunion, house party type of theme uh, where people just come and enjoy themselves and disconnect from society for a few days and just relax and let their hair down and and enjoy family and friends. While the most well-known political campaigning is done at the fair's grandstand, walking and talking to voters on the grounds is essential. Ron White's family has been attending the Neshoba County Fair for years. He says there's plenty of opportunity to learn about candidates. We pretty well already, you know, listen to the news here and there, so we pretty well know who we're going to vote for anyway. Just if we have company coming, which we have today, we're not going up here today. We ain't got time. We've got out-of-town company coming. But uh, the politicians, they'll be walking around and distant people. And oh, yeah? You can talk to them and get different opinions. It seems like a pretty cool place to, to be a kid. I saw uh, two little ones playing in the street here just when I was yeah. My grandson's the world's worst. He's six years old. He can't stay out of the ditch, and that's great. He loves it, loves it. Kids love the fair. That typical fair is just you have your carnival. This is where you have cabins and you can right. just get together and visit and see folks you haven't seen and let your grandkids play. And the fair is you've got to come see it and experience it. You can't explain it to nobody. Right. That a town springs up for seven days out of a year and it closes. It's just hard to imagine that this place has its own water, electricity, security, garbage pickup, maintenance, roads, and then after that it closes unique. And then it's just shut down until, until the next year. Correct. Correct. It's a ghost town. And they'll start about after January 1, they'll start people to remodel their cabins or start tearing down building new ones and they'll have them done by fair time. What, uh, what made you all want to build out here first? Want, want a cabin for your own family. You just, you know, you want to be part of it. And, uh, like I said, my daddy built one in 1964. I think I was 13. Uh, we built one 45 years ago, and then we bought this in 15 years ago. Just It just gets in your blood. This is the 134th year of the fair, and today is the last day for this year's event. After some fireworks and a concert, concert that is, folks will bid each other farewell and head home. Coming up, a federal judge has temporarily blocked a new state law that would limit helping people vote by absentee ballot. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks to our sustaining members who provide ongoing monthly financial support. You can become a sustainer, too. Go to mpbonline.org and click Donate Now at the top of the page. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A new state law went into effect earlier this month that limits assisting people 
who want to vote by absentee ballot. But a federal judge has intervened. U.S. District Court Judge Henry Wingate temporarily blocked the law, preventing any action from taking place this calendar year. Representative Sakia Summers of Jackson, a Democrat, supports the judge's decision. She tells our Kobe Vance it's a win for people of color, those with disabilities, and the elderly. Absolutely applaud the federal court. It's ruling to block this law. And and I know it's a temporary block for this year. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, as a case proceeds, we'll permanently block it. But from the very beginning, when this bill was sent over from the Senate into the House, we knew that it was another form of voter suppression. And during the debate, the Democrats tried to express Uh, to the House that this was clearly in violation of the American Disabilities Act. This was in violation of the Voting Rights Act. It was a bad bill. Um, uh, We really wanted to convey the harms of what uh, the Republicans call ban on ballot harvesting. First of all, there was no data presented to show that this was even an issue or problem in the state of Mississippi. And what my colleague on the House floor was that this had been addressed some years ago and that the bill uh, was, uh, you know, unnecessary. And we gave various scenarios on how Mississippians would be restricted. You mentioned this earlier, but I'd like to just reiterate this point is Republicans pitched this bill as a way to prevent ballot harvesting. And by that, they mean when people collect multiple ballots over from several people, and they claim that there is a potential for fraud in that scenario where if somebody collects these ballots, they have the ability to select which ones they want to turn in and so forth. Do you think that's a valid concern at all? I don't see ballot harvesting as a concern. I think that we have seen in Mississippi and in red states across the country this big bad wolf. And it's really a way to deter people, to confuse them, to scare them from participating in the electoral process. What we should be doing is uh, making sure that we're passing laws that actually protect, defend, and expand access to voting, not be putting things into place that would actually restrict uh, an individual from being able to cast their ballot. Uh, You know, we saw ballot harvesting, you know, become a hot topic following the uh, 2020 presidential election. And that headline has crossed many uh, supermajority Republican legislatures uh, in putting into law things that would actually hurt a person from being able to, to cast a ballot. And I'll give you an example, because Uh, The judge stated this in his order in terms of how vague the definition was for caregiver. So in my district, I have a facility, an independent living facility uh, of individuals that are independent but but may need some assistance. Well, they don't necessarily have a caregiver that lives with them because they are living independently. But there is an office manager that manages the building. She's someone that they trust. She's someone that they look to when they need assistance for whatever it is that they need. Well, if this law had remained in place, a constituent who live in that building would not have been able to uh, get receive assistance from her to help her with 
perhaps putting their ballot in the mailbox or making sure that they understand the application, et cetera. The, the pathways to get ballots cast that this bill is seeking to block, how are those helpful for some people? Extremely helpful. I mean, Mississippi is a rural state. We have folks in counties, you know, where their precinct may be miles and miles away from them. Or we may have a single mom who, after work, has to pick up the kids, has to uh, take them to after-school programs or cook dinner. Or we may have voters in the state that don't have transportation. Um, We don't have here in the state of Mississippi an early voting process. What we have is an absentee process. What our absentee process does allow for individuals who are disabled or are 65 years of age or older and can mail in their absentee, or if they have uh, the privilege of being able to go to the courthouse and vote by absentee in person, uh, that allows them to make their voices heard. This bill was in direct opposite of that. This bill said, even if you do want to vote by absentee, we're going to limit the kinds of people that can assist you. Where the Voting Rights Act says that a voter can choose the person that they want to help them, this bill would have said, no, the state is going to determine who you can choose. Representative Zakia Summers, a Democrat from Jackson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.